Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta, Yordana Osband, our daf of the day, Masacha Beitza, daf Gimel, page three. Um, our daf is really beginning to establish the discussion that begins in the Mishnah on daf Bet Amad Aleph, of course. And I that's what I want to discuss a little bit. The, the question is, of course, what happens that the egg itself, right, this egg that is... Um, Laid, the egg that is laid on Yantif, why is it prohibited? Meaning, what's the problem with an egg that is laid on Yantif? To begin with, what, where do we even think about, how do we even begin to think about it? So on the previous daf, there are several different uh, cases and, and suggestions about what the problem might be. And at the end of the daf, it says, you know, that when an egg is laid by a chicken, um, you know, it's it's supposed to be food, right? This is what your Danny you were talking about. You know, why was this egg laid? Is it a layer? Is it a, a the kind of hen that will just be laying eggs all the time, or is it the kind of chicken that's supposed to be, uh, you know, turning into food? Um, so the Gemara there already starts talking about the connection between this egg that drops, let's say, as compared to the fruits that fall. Now we had a whole decree about. Fruits that fall, you may recall the, the vocabulary of nostrin from Erevin, Erevin Taflamatet, Amadbet, right? That when fruits fall from a tree on Shabbos, or for that matter on Chag, on the holiday, they cannot be eaten. So the Gemara on Dafbet Amadbet at the very, very end is already positing that the eggs are in the same category of this, these fruits that would fall from a tree. So Abai then asks Rav Yosef, and this brings us to our daf today, you know, what was the reason that that was a problem? The fruits that fell, why were they outlawed? Why were they, why was there a decree against them? So our Gemara opens with saying, The decree is to make sure that people would not um, climb the tree to pick the fruit, you know, the fruit that is so clearly very ripe. Um, and then that would be a problem that would violate the malacha of harvesting, Right. He gufa gzera, and ana nekum benigzor gzera gzera. So the Gemara says this itself was like the the decree itself, right? To make sure that they would not, um, the decree was to not pluck the fruit, to make sure that they would not be violating the harvesting. So if you can't pluck the fruit, then also you, the idea was that you shouldn't be able to um, pick it up if it has dropped, which of course is a um, it's kind of like the tree is doing its own harvesting by by dropping the fruit. But the concern is that then it, people would then come to climb and and do the harvesting um, prohibition to begin with. Okay, so the question then is, um, so that is, sorry, that is the decree, right? Are we going to then like try to make another decree to prevent violating the first decree? I think the implication is if you have to do that many decrees on top of other decrees to make sure that they'll be honored, or kept, I feel like then your decree, your first decree is not really, um, is not really an appropriate one to begin with. Um, okay. But the idea here is that in both these cases of the fruit that falls and the egg that is laid, right, they're both, it's all like the same decree against um, anybody kind of trying to pursue um, the thing that is decreed against, meaning on the one hand, the fruit. On the other hand, of course, and the question is, you know, if you're going to say that the egg was included in the original decree, I'm going to ask, like, what was the human involvement in getting that egg to to drop? But the Gemara here concludes, at least in this section, it was really part and parcel of the same 
decree both the egg and the fruit. But then Rabbi Yitzchak has a different reason. He says, don't think about it, that the egg is tantamount or similar to fruit that is falling and that there's already a decree against from Erevin. Rather, Rabbi Yitzchak Amar, Gzeire Mishum Mashkin Shezavu. Rabbi Yitzchak says that if, you, if the egg that was laid on the, on the holiday is prohibited because of the decree against liquids, mashkin shizavu is liquids that would like kind of seep out from the fruits themselves. If you, I don't know, the example, the classic example I think is strawberries. If you put up a whole bunch of strawberries on a clean white plate, you know, fresh, clean strawberries, um, and you put them on a clean white plate, in not too long, you'll see that you've got some red from the strawberries kind of seeping out or leaking out, whatever. I don't know exactly how to describe the phenomenon of what's happening with the strawberries, but you can definitely see the evidence that that's what you had, right? So then if there's a concern about the decree, about the liquids that would seep out, again, mashkin shizavu, right? So that is also an erevin, and that is also a prohibition. And then if the concern is that the egg is like those liquids, then Abai's got a question for him. Amarle Abai, for this is for Rivizrak, who's posited that this would be the pro- the problem with the egg that is is laid on Yantif. So Abai asks, Mashkin Shizavu Tamamai, meaning what's the whole reason that liquid seeping out to begin with, seeping out from fruit, was a problem? What's the problem? The whole idea is. You want to make sure you, you can't have the strawberries because the, the liquid is going to seep out. The idea is you want to prevent people from coming to actually squeezing the strawberries in order to get that liquid to seep out because they want it, because that is a violation of dash, let's say, right? That that's its own prohibition, lest you come to do schita, which is squeezing the fruit. Again, it's the same formulation of. That's the decree. Like, that was the decree to make sure that people would not do this chita, this squeezing of the fruit. So you want to come and say that we should have another gzera on top of that to prohibit the egg? Kula chad So Rav Yitzchak says, no, this is all one. They're all, like, you know, component parts of the same one decree. The same way that Chazal prohibited that juice that would emerge from, let's say, for example, my example, the strawberries. The Gemara doesn't say strawberries at all, by the way. I was just trying to to visualize it. Um, so then they also, you know, prohibited the eating of the egg that was born on, that was laid on the festival because the concern is that you might also have some seepage there. Of course, then we can raise questions about how different any seepage from an eggshell might be as compared to seepage from fruit. So the Gemara goes on to say, like, we're not, the, none of these suggestions explanation as of why you've got an issue, why we have an issue with the basic and of the egg that was laid on the holiday, we don't have an answer yet that is actually satisfying. Each one kind of feels like you, you could come and like argue against it without any, you know, without too much investment of thought. So the Gemara says all of them, meaning Rabba, Rav Yosef, Rav Yitzchak, this is a lineup from even already from the previous stuff. So they didn't explain themselves to line up with Rav Nachman. What did he say? So they didn't line themselves up with Rav Nachman um, to make sure, I guess, that they're not getting slammed with any objection against his explanation. And so also here, they don't line up, they don't line themselves up with Rabba, um, you know, because the position is they don't accept 
that using that that preparation from Shabbos to Chag is its own problem. So that means that again, the Gemara is you know taking that step back, but like while in the midst of it to say, okay, who is agreeing with what, and how can we understand the psak halacha, the details that they're expressing against the broader context of whatever the the bigger lineup is um, trying to present. Um, okay, we have, I think, one more, maybe two more explanations, and then you're it's all yours. So here, Ella, Yosef, my time, lo amarka Rabbi Yitzchak. So, of course, the question is going to be, why doesn't everybody agree with Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak's point about the seepage? Amarach, beta ochla, voperot ochla, lapuke mashkin delav ochla. So, Rabbi Yosef's position says, like this, the egg is food, and the fruit is food, so that makes sense. But then we're not talking about juice that has emerged from the fruit, because that, according to this approach, to say that mashka, that the liquid that emerges, is a drink. You can't even call it a food. So don't think that the egg is like the fruit, because the egg, the, there's no, yes, they're both food, but the way they can, you know, you the way you have liquid in an egg and the way you have liquid coming out of fruit is a totally different kind of thing. So that, you know, the claim here or the position is that it goes too far. So then the Gemara asks the opposite. Reb Yitzchak, my time alone, Mark Reb Yosef. So then why didn't Reb Yitzchak, why didn't he hold in accord with Reb Yosef? Amalach, beitza blua, omashkin bluin, lapuke pirut demigle vakaimo. So again, this idea that these two disparate elements, meaning the fruit and the egg, are similar. How are they similar? Well, it says an egg is um, an egg is blue-eyed. It is like swallowed up inside of a chicken before it is actually laid. And so too, you've got juice that is swallowed up inside of the fruit. So then doesn't that mean that the fruit and the eggs are really very similar? And again, I'm going to say, well, not so much. Lafuki Peru de says that we're going to, this rationale says it excludes any fruit that fall from the tree and then are like kind of exposed. They're no longer kind of cloistered or, you know, swallowed up within the tree. Okay, but my difficulty with this is, of course, that that, that should be, it's not most fruits that end up staying um, swallowed up into a tree so that I, I don't understand why the grammar is trying to push to say that this is like the egg. Um, at least that's the beginning issue here for me. Um I want to just double check and make sure I don't have another another lineup here. I think that's it. Okay, so you know, I think this is a good level set for what exactly is going on on this page. You know, we have the other two opinions to explain this on the previous stuff about uh, from Rav Nachman and from Raba. And so, what I wanted to focus on here in is, yeah, the Gemara is presenting sort of all these different explanations of how exactly do we understand this Mishnah and what exactly is going on here. Um, but they point out something interesting when they compare sort of all these opinions to each other. And it reads as follows. This is in the middle of Amabet. So according to Rabba, who says the reason why this egg is not allowed to be used, right, according to Beit Hello, is because of the issue of Hachana. Right. That, you know, there was, uh, you know, there was no preparation. You didn't designate that you were going to use this egg. So beforehand, before Yom Tov, so you can't use it now. And so in this case, what is involves an uncertainty, right? That's what speka means, a suffix, an uncertainty, 
right, regarding the status of the egg, which could be prohibited. Hachana is a is a Doraisa, it's a Torah, you know, it's a Doraisa prohibition. And we know this concept that's being introduced here, which, which is that anytime you have a suffix of a Doraisa, you have an uncertainty about a Torah law, right? You're not sure if this is an, an area that is prohibited by Torah law or not prohibited, we're always going to go Lachamra. So therefore, this egg is prohibited, right? Even if there's like some uncertainty, was it laid? before the, you know, the Chag actually started, before Yom Tov actually started, or was it laid on Yom Tov itself? But because there's this issue of Hachana, which is a Del Reisa issue, that's why, according to Rabbah, you're, you wouldn't be allowed to use these, this egg. Ela le Rabbi Yosef le Rabbi Yitzchak. But according to Rabbi Yosef and Rabbi Yitzchak, now again, who, and you just explained, had these two different opinions um, about why, you know, what, what this case is with the egg and why it's not allowed, but ultimately, they're both around the same idea, that there's a gazera that's put in place that doesn't allow this particular egg to be used, right? Whether it's the comparison to the fruit, um, right, which is, uh, you know, the, the fallen fruit like Rav Yosef, or whether it's the issue about the juice that could ooze from the fruit, which is according to the opinion of Rav Yitzchak, right? The idea is, is that they're both an issue uh, that there's a gazera that was put in place. Sveka de Ravanan, those gezeras are Ravanan. And when there's an uncertainty about a de Ravanan, the whole Sveka de Ravanan Lakula, then we know that those Sveikot are always going to be ruled uh, with, uh, they're going to be ruled uh, Lakula. So therefore, the question is yeah, we get Rava's explanation of this Mishnah or why this egg wouldn't be allowed. We understand because of his, his explanation is there's an issue of Hachana, which is a Deo Raisa. It's not clear when the egg was actually, you know, I, prepared, it's not the right word. But in other words, we don't know when the egg was actually laid. Since that could involve the violation of a Torah prohibition, we're going to rule it Lechumra. But for Rav Yitzchak and Rav Yosef, where it both involves a Gezerah that's Terabanan, the question is, why are we being Machmer in this case? If it's, you know, if, if there's a Gezerah here, maybe that's Terabanan, maybe we should actually be Lakula. And we'd actually would say it's okay. And so the Gemara answers, Amar lay, right? Seifa atnan trefa. The latter cause of the brisa is actually, it's a different case. That the case here that's being discussed isn't about an issue of an egg being laid on a yomto, but it's an egg laid by a chicken, right? Where there's a suffix if the animal was actually a trefa. What a trefa is, is an animal that could die within... 12 months. So, you know, this is how they sort of solve it. But what I really wanted to pay attention to, and then the Gemara is going to go on to raise a difficulty with this particular answer. But what I really wanted to pay attention to is this sort of classic halachic reasoning, um, you know, which is suffix deraisa lechumra, suffix derabanan lakula. And so, you know, we see that played out here very nicely um, on this tab. And that's sort of like a classic halachic principle that we'll see throughout the Gemara itself. I think there's something very great about this complexity showing up here. Instead of it just being, um, you know, a smooth sock, right? It's going to say like, well, let's let's pay attention to the nuance here in a, in a case where I might not have automatically expected it. Uh, you know, we're still at the beginning of the Masachet, obviously, and I don't want to pause it too much too soon. But I, I feel like there's something going on here 
in recognizing this complexity that is taking it a step beyond. Right. And it's just sort of amazing to see, you know, how complex this case is. I mean, this is just classic Gamar. We have this Mishnah that if you were just learning Mishnayos, you know, sort of like, okay, it's talking about an egg that's laid on Yom Tov. Beit Shammai says one thing, Beit Hillel says something. And we're going to see pages of discussion around it. And, uh, you know, the detail that comes out of that uh, is, is, is just quite amazing. It really is. It really is. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rink is reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadra website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 